Praise God. We are on chapter four, on chapter four, on spiritual growth spiritual growth we have covered what is God's plan for our lives we talked about what is temptation we talked about how to have victory over temptation we talked about what is faith we talked about what is prayer and we are moving into what is fasting what is fasting and I know a lot of people uh, um, talk, always ask questions about fasting I get texts sometimes from people asking about fasting and different things this will help us have an understanding on what is fasting and um, there's some scriptures that are not in your book, but I want you to write them down next to you. Uh, um, I think I went too fast and I forgot to put a couple inside there, but I do want to give them to you tonight. 25, 25, question 25 on chapter 4, on key 4, is what is fasting? What is fasting? Read Ezra 8, 23 first. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Mm. We fasted and we petitioned about this. Now read Nehemiah 1.4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Father God, tonight for your presence that's in this place, I thank you for your people that are watching us live and those that are here tonight. I pray a blessing and a strength on them and a revelation of your word that we would move in your anointing and your power and in your strength. Speak to us, Father. Clarify things in us, Father. God, questions that might be there, God. Answer them tonight, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. amen. I, I, if you look at the A under 25, says this. Fasting involves denying the body of the natural food in order to be more sensitive and open to the Lord. So in reality, all it is is denying food, pushing away the plate, in order that you would create a hunger for God and to be more sensitive and more open to them. If you notice in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, a situation arose, and the thing that he began to do was to pray and to what? Fast. What's the fast? Because oh, he needed God to do something. Look at also in Ezra 8.23. 8.23 again, sweetheart. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. So he answered the prayer and the petition because something arose, something needed to be done. So it allowed them to become closer to God. Look at, look at B. B says this. Fasting is a time of placing our desires under the desires of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, God, I don't want my desires to control me or my passions, I want to be controlled by your desires and your passions. So it's denying the flesh, it's denying the food so that we would become more sensitive to God in fasting. Now, 26 says this, why should I fast? Why should I fast? Acts, write this down, Acts 13, 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Mm. It all happened through the fasting and through the praying. Uh, they were able to, people to understand their calling and their purpose and to be pulled into the ministry. And sometimes why we don't understand our calling and our purpose because we haven't fasted. We haven't denied our natural food. We haven't pushed away the plate. And we have been engulging ourselves and not being sensitive to the spirit of God, nor to the things of God, nor open 
to the Lord. And so we can miss it. So fasting does so much stuff. Why should I fast? Number one, are you in need of a healing or a miracle? Fasting brings healings and it brings miracles. Look at B. Do you need a touch or an encounter from God? Do you need a, a touch from God? Do you need an encounter with God? Do you need God to meet up with you? So in doing that and pushing away the flesh, your spirit is fed and your spirit begins to grow and you become more sensitive. Can someone say sensitive? I need you to understand that word sensitive. How many of you hurt something in your body and it became sensitive to the touch? And it hurt every time you touched it. And that's the way it is with God. And through fasting, you become sensitive. And so it's not so much you're afraid to sin or because you're afraid of God. More you're afraid of sinning because, listen to this, because you're afraid of what God won't do through you and with you. And so you fast because you want that to leave you. So then in return, you become sensitive to God. And so now you know I need to do what's right to fulfill purpose and destiny in my life. Look at this. Look at this really quick. C, do you need a dream to be birth or rebirth? So through fasting, things are birth. I fast because why? Maybe I, I need God to rebirth a dream that has died. And that dream has become a nightmare. And I've been praying and I've been doing all this stuff, but I haven't fasted. Fasting can rebirth something. Fasting can bring to birth something. Maybe that hasn't, you've been pregnant more than nine months and nothing's going on. God's saying, come on, somebody. Here we go. D, do you need bondages to be broken? Some bondages, some addictions, some stuff that, that are latching onto you, and you prayed in it, but you can't let go. God says, fasting does that. Fasting does that. Let me give you this scripture right here. What does fasting do? Okay, now... We know what, why, now what does fasting do? Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, mm. and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Wow. So this scripture is connected to question 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. <laughs> this was the foundational scripture for everything. Listen to what I'm saying. What does fasting do? Number one, it does what? Looses what? Looses bondages. Listen. The, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness or the bondages of wickedness. Number one. Number two. To undo the heavy burdens. So it's going to loosen some shackles and then it's going to take off some heavy stuff you've been carrying. That you have no business carrying. You're carrying some burdens that you have no business carrying. Fast and undoes burdens. Next one, it goes on and says what? And lets the oppressed go free. So it releases oppression. Some of you, got, you're oppressed, depressed, oppressed. And a little bit demon-possessed. And, and so, so the fasting releases the oppression. While you're having anxiety, and why you so much panic attacks, and you're having all this, you, you, you still get fluttering, and fasting breaks things. Because we pick up stuff, we pick up things being around people. 
And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. The next one, what does it say? It does what? And breaks every yoke. Listen. So say every yoke. So anything that is a yoke on you, holding you, grabbing you, got your ankle down, got your shackle down, got you holding down, God said fasting breaks it. Fasting breaks it. Fasting involves denying the body of natural food. Denying the food. Push it away. I used to fast three days, seven days, 20 days, 40. I used to fast like crazy. And the thing about fasting, it, be, it begins to deal with your flesh and begins to deal with things inside you. It begins to cut stuff away. It begins to awaken you. It begins to awaken your spirit. You become more aware, more alert. Some scriptures say, why don't you, why don't you you're telling Jesus, why don't your disciples fast? He says, for what? He says, I'm with them right now. They don't have to. But a time's going to come when I'm no longer with them. And you Pharisees fast just because you want to look good. But what the whole purpose is, he's saying, you don't have to fast now because this is the closest you're going to grab me. I'm with you. I'm in your presence. And fasting brings Jesus in, the pres in your presence. There's, there's, you can feel him. You can touch him. It, it, it's, there's an awe. There's, a, there's, there's like awe. There's something that takes place in a supernatural way. And some of you haven't felt that in a while. You need to get back and fast and deny. I'm not talking about fasting. Don't, I'm going to get ahead of myself, but yeah, I'll get to that right now. So, so listen to what it's saying to break every yoke, man. Every yoke. Look at number 20, 28. How often should I fast and why? It depends upon the direction that you receive from the Holy Spirit. Depends on the direction you receive from the Holy Spirit and what direction you want to go. B, to become more open to God, or it's to become more open to God not to lose weight. People fast to lose weight. Oh, I'm going to do a fasting and to lose. That's not what fasting's for. Now they took in the biblical fasting and make it, oh, it's now a lost weight program. That's not what it's for. Because fasting does unlock spiritual realms. And yes, you will see devils when you start fasting. Yes, you will start seeing things. Yes, you, that, what, do you, what do you think tweakers and all these people start seeing things? You were one of them. There was really somebody at your window. <laughs> it was a demon trying to come in. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Everybody okay? How long should I fast? B, A, beginners should fast by giving up one or two meals. Listen, people want to be super many. I'm going to go, I've never fast, but I'm going to go two weeks. Come on. <laughs> Reality is you start with one breakfast, go with breakfast or go breakfast and lunch. A half thing is good till you get used to it. Then move on gradually to a day or two. Use wisdom and pray for guidance. Use wisdom and pray for guidance because you don't know what's going to start happening. You don't know what things are going to start unlocking. Stuff's going to start happening. And it's, you're going to start entering into a spiritual realm you have not entered before. And I see people go in for three days, seven days, and they come, they come got worse than they first went in. It's real. This is real stuff. Look at B. 
If you're on medication or suffering from some kind of disease, it is better to obtain your doctor's advice before entering into a fast. Some people, you know, uh, I remember uh, people talking, Pastor, I want to fast. I, well, aren't you diabetic? Yeah, but I'm like, you need to think before you start fasting like that. So it's okay if you want to start doing one or two meals, but you can go in a diabetic coma. Something can happen, or maybe you're going for a healing. Okay, it's all up to how God guides you. Are you guys with me? Understand me? Okay, so, so we need to understand that. So you need to obtain advice from your doctor, or, or you, maybe, you know what God's telling you, and maybe it's just fast just breakfast or fast half a day, and so then you know, I'm going to do this for a couple of days until my body gets used to it or I'm ready for this. Amen? People want to fast off different fasts. They want to use a Daniel fast, and they want to do this fast and that fast. And I want to tell you, you get your guidance from God on which direction you want to fast. Amen? Let's see. What do you expect while you're fasting? What to expect? Headaches? Grumpiness? Hunger pains? Can I be a little honest? But in return, fasting brings miracles. Come on, somebody. Fasting brings miracles. <laughs> Write this down next one. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, 16 through 18. Ready, sweetheart? When you fast, do not look some somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He tell you, don't walk around like that. I'm fasting. <laughs> he says, wash your face, anoint your head. He says, be vibrant. Life, why do you look like death when you're fasting? Because your flesh is hungry and it misses with you and you get grumpy and you get weird. What's the point of fasting then? So you have to make sure that you're fasting, you do this. Let me give you some tips. There's a little note fasting tips. Prayer, pray when you're fasting. Read your word when you're fasting. Praise God and praise and worship music when you're fasting. And get rid of all your distractions. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be distractions. And when you're fasting, all of a sudden people want to buy you dinner, want to buy you lunch, want to give you something and bring you something. You never did it in the five years and all of a sudden you want to bake me something. You want to bring me something. You want to invite me somewhere and pay for it. You know it's the devil. They're paying for it. They never pay for nothing in their life. So you have to remember this. this. I mean, there's so much more fasting, but I'm giving you guys just little portions of stuff to help you. Amen. Listen to the bottom part there. Don't overeat when the time comes to end your fast. Begin by eating small portions while coming off a big fast. Amen. The devil is going to get mad when you fast. There's going to be manifestation. Stuff's going to break off. Things are going to happen. Healing comes and miracles happen. Dreams are birthed. Things are broken off. So fasting does tremendous things. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a great clap offering. 
Jesus even says some stuff does not happen unless you fast. Amen. So I challenge you. I challenge you guys that uh, um, this Friday, Friday, fast with us this Friday. Fast a half a day Friday. So if you can fast in breakfast, fast breakfast. You're like, oh, praise God, I don't even eat breakfast, Pastor. You're like, I, you got it made. You know, fast breakfast, fast lunch. You know, if you want to fast the whole day, fast the whole day. But at least fast, help us fast until 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock until we start getting ready, because we're going to start getting ready to do some fasting and get set ourselves up. I want to get into a 24-hour prayer meeting that we lock ourselves up 24 hours and fast for 24 hours. And we haven't had one of those in a while here. And, and like that, everybody just picks an hour they can come or two. And, all, and we can do, it's going 24 hours just praying and believing God for some miracles, some breakthroughs, some healing. Come on, somebody. Praying for our wall, praying for everything that's taking place. Amen. So it's going to take the church to activate. Also, we're, we're here Mondays and we're here Thursdays. We're here Mondays praying for everything that's going on and for our Wednesday service that's coming up and things that happen Sunday. And we're here Thursdays praying in the morning for Sunday to come and for the prayer and everything to happen. So we are consistent in that, consistent in that. So if you got time, come out and pray with us. Fast, that, fast until after prayer on that Thursday if you like. But help us. Help us. Don't be, don't be a superman and take the whole day. I'm taking the whole day. But I've never done it before. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just do it to lunch, or do, or do it to lunch if you want, or to 6 o'clock. We need you to help us. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. Amen? <laughs> Number 30, what is spiritual warfare? What is spiritual warfare? This is the thing. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. We can get, too in, we can get so intense that we can get lost, but I don't want to. I want to I be superficial with this. At the same time, give you some indent things to help you battle stuff that's going on. What is spiritual warfare? A, when you fight against principalities in high places. When you're fighting against principalities in high places. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What does it say? For we do not wrestle against what? Flesh and blood. That's what B says. Spiritual warfare is done in the spirit, not the flesh. Listen to what I'm saying. It's, it's done in the spirit, not in the flesh. There is levels of demonic powers, levels, and it, and it, and it lays them out here in Ephesians, and he talks about principalities um, against powers, against the um, penalties, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So it's, it's leveled out stuff that you battle, and you figure out as you grow in Christ, the first things that you battle when you first get saved ain't the same thing when you've been around for a little bit. And different, you hear the expression, different levels, different devils. It's just that the enemy comes against you. The more threat that you are to him, the more attacks that you get. And so listen to what I'm saying here. It's not done in the flesh. Say, not in the flesh. I'll never forget it. When I was with Pastor Rupert, uh, we first started the church, and there was a witch doctor down two, one, two buildings away. And he comes and he comes yelling at, the, at us. And he was, a, he was a witch doctor. And he's all saying, the flesh is stronger than the spirit. 
The flesh is stronger than the spirit. And says, no, it's not. Pastor, let me beat him up. <laughs> Had a screwdriver in my hand. I, let me just stab him. And he was, a, he was, a, he was doing all this. The pastor looking at me like, don't you just hear what he's saying? That's not what my pastor is telling me. But in my mind, that's in his spirit, that's what he was saying. And there I was willing to do something. And then he, and he would literally, then he started grabbing himself and rubbing himself. saying, the flesh is strong. They would throw spells in front of our church. I used to live in that church, chicken heads and spouse and all over the ground, bones, everything, throwing curses at us and everything. And I had to learn to fight in the spirit. So it's a spiritual thing. Someone say spiritual thing. See, remember, it's not against man, but the devil and his demons. Know your enemy. Sometimes we think it's a person and we have to figure that out that it's not a person. I had to learn the hard way. And so I'm telling you, it's not the people. Sometimes there's a demon, a demon right behind that. And they, and they become the puppet to it. So it's not against man. It's against the demon. It's against the devil. Know your enemy. One of the greatest things to war is to know your enemy. Know who you're fighting. Know what you're fighting. Know your weapons. Know his attacks. Know your strategies. Look at 31. 31. Do demons exist? Luke 10, 17. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Mm. Do demons exist? Yes. James 2, 19. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The disciples come back, and they're all excited that they, they were putting demons in their place. And, and, and Jesus, he says, man, he begins to tell them, you need to watch out, man. He says, because even demons believe. Are you with me? So you have to catch that. Read 2.19 again, sweetheart, please. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. <laughs> the disciples believe that there's demons. And demons believe that there is a God. Are you guys with me? So if there's demons out there, we, we got to remember, you got to remember some things here. What are demons? What are demons? A demon are fallen angels who follow Satan at the time of his rebellion against God. Revelations 12, 17 through 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Wow. You, you, do you guys catch that? Look, let me, let me, I, want you to, I want to read this for you really quick, verse 7 again. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, which is Satan, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven no longer, so that the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil Satan, who deceived the whole world, he has cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Wow. So this is the picture. It's, they're, they were, they're angels who rebelled, who believed a lie. 
how what happened to what happened to uh, uh, Adam and Eve? They believed the lie. And what happened to them? They were cast out. And so you have to watch out because the, the, the demons are liars. We talked about the devil. He's like a what? An angel of light. We talked about who he is, and we talked about his nature and and what he does. B. Demons are spirits. Matthew eight sixteen. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Wow. Wow. The Bible talks in the Old Testament that people were having intercourse with demons. And that's where giants came out of. In the book of Genesis. And so there's so much stuff. I'm talking about demonic perversion, demonic junk. Demons are real. Look at 33. What can demons do to people? Mark, 5, 1, chapter, Mark chapter 5, 1 through 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gardernes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with the unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often broken, I'm sorry, he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Wow. So what can demons do to you? They can make you go insane. They can make you cut yourself. And they can possess you. They can make you go insane, make you cut yourself, and they can possess you. You, you see guys in the streets and out there talking to themselves. They're talking to devils. They're not just talking to themselves. Some are talking to demon-possessed. And I talk to a lot of them. And I'll sit there and I'll rebuke them. And they start yelling and growling and going crazy. Or I'll rock by them and they'll, come, they'll try to jump at me. They'll look at me and they'll start saying, because they, they know. But a demon, we're downstairs, a demon came, walked, a witch walked all the way downstairs, a witch walked all the way inside, and she knew my name, and she started saying stuff, and she tried to jump at me. Literally, she jumped in the air, and she fell back on the ground. This just happened, what, a couple weeks ago? About a month ago, about a month and a half ago? So demons are real. And what can they do to people? They'll possess people. They'll make them go insane, and people start cutting themselves. That's why when you start people seeing cutting themselves, it's, it's not them. They, the devil has whispered in their ear, had got a piece of them, got a hold of them, and they'll cut themselves, commit suicide, and all these other things. Because that devil, he's a liar. The Bible, other scriptures talk about they'll throw themselves in fires, try to hurt themselves. Luke 8, 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts. Least they should believe and be saved. Mm, mm. So what can the demons do? They'll prevent you from believing and from getting saved. They'll prevent you from believing and getting saved. They'll talk to you and whisper to you, it ain't real. It's fake. Pastor's lying. Don't do it. That ain't real. How many ever heard something like that? I have. That devil will speak. They'll try to prevent you. Then you'll come and try to rip out the word of God out of you. Through a situation. 
First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Wow. Now the Spirit, now the Spirit expressly says hmm, that in the latter times where we're at now, some will depart from the faith. That's why there's so many people falling away from the church. We are in the last days. That's why so many people believing lies and going for the okey-doke. People who were rooted in church. People who knew right from wrong. People who grew up in the church. People who've been delivered. People who've been set free. People who've been pastoring, preaching, just falling away in the last days. Because why? Because some will sit, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. What's a demo, demon? It's a spirit. It's a fallen angel. And doctrine of demons. Some weird stuff. I just heard someone tell me the other day that somebody was preaching that there's, one, there's more than one way to heaven. That's a lie from the pit of hell. There's only one way to heaven. And it's through Jesus Christ believing in the Son of God. It's not through all these other junk and all these other ways. It's one, I don't care how popular that guy is. I don't care how, how, how mighty, how position he has. I don't like to drop names, but you need to watch who you're listening to. Amen. Some of us, we listen to some preaching that are out there, and that's why you're out there. Amen. Some people can't even stay in church for preaching no more. That's how messed up they are. They can't even sit in church no more. They just, they can't even sit down. Did you know that? A lot of people who work and serve in the ministry are, those are the worst ones. You serve so much, you don't know how to sit down and receive no more. I don't know where this is coming from, but praise the Lord. That was good. That was good. All right, here we go. So, the, <laughs> The question or the answer is, 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 is make, follow lying spirits and teaching of demons. Amen. Whew. Number, th number 34. Can a Christian be demon possessed? Now, this is the question. This to me, I, this, when, I, when we're doing this, this is, you know what, let me go, I'll stop and I'll get back to my question. Number A, no, never. As long as Jesus lives in your heart of a blood-blocked Christian or a child of God, demons have no, 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 have no chance of entering his body or temple. That means you're not a carnal Christian. That means you are a bona fide living right before God. I'm not talking about a sidestepping carnal flesh doing all these things on the side and thinking you're going to be fine. No. It's one who's bona fide living for God righteous before the Lord. The word righteous means doing right before God and before man. So 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own? So we are a temple. Spirit of God lives in us. Jesus lives in us. And he's not going to say, oh, come on, devil, you can live in the, in the, in the, in the guest room. 
But that's what we do. We stick them in the guest room. Look at B. <laughs> Sometimes it's crazy the way the Lord speaks to me. But we, we, want, we, want, we want to have God in, in, in our bedroom and the devil in the guest room. And it ain't going to happen like that. You know what? You, are, you, you or a Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Bottom line. Look at B. God would never share his house or temple with a demon. He didn't even share heaven with them. So he ain't going to share you with them. The two spirits can never live in the same body at the same time. We either belong to Christ or the devil. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mm, mm. Read that footnote, sweetheart. Possession means the devil is taking control of the heart and life of a person. Mm. When you are possessed, it takes control of you. It takes control of your heart, can control your life. And you don't even care no more. And, and so I, I see this a lot of people. They get, when people are under a covering, under my covering, under the covering, they're cool. But as soon as they step out of the covering, you can't tell them nothing no more. You can't correct them. You can't encourage them. They don't want to hear nothing no more. Something takes over. Amen. That's why sometimes when I see people step out on the covering of the shepherd, I'm like, can't do nothing until they step back under it. Because I can't do nothing about it. I can't force somebody to step back under a covering. They have to come under themselves, and then the voice starts making sense. But when you step out of the covering, the voice don't make sense to you. Because something else has been whispering, other preachers, other people, people that you might connect to that have the same weird spirit, and now you guys sound like twins. What's that called? Fertile twins? What do you call it when you have a baby in the same belly? What's that called? There's a certain name to it. One day look alike. Fraternals. Fraternal. Fraternal church twins. Woo-wee. So if you're, if you're out of the covering and you want to pay attention and listen... And you feel like y'all get step back. You gotta step back under it. Come on, somebody, amen. Number thirty-five. Number thirty-five. This is good. This is a good one, guys. Can a Christian be demon oppressed? Demons may oppress or attack a Christian's mind and body, but not possess them. A message of a messenger of Satan. Attack and oppress Paul. St. Corinthians 12, 7. And least I should be exalted above the measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffer me. Least I be exalted above measure. Mm, mm, mm. Listen, I, 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 I need to see this. I want to say something here. 12, 7. Psalm 7 says it's like this. At least I should be exalted among measures by the abundance 
the revelation of a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger, listen, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. The less I be exalted above measure. Some might say oppressed me. And listen, this is the thing, please, or to beat me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mm. Lest I exalt above measures. And this is the thing, is, is when stuff's going on, the devil will try to come and he'll try to press you. I remember I felt pressure. And it's like a pressure. And it's, it, it, it can't possess you, but you start feeling the oppression. You start feeling, start feeling weird. How many of us are like felt weird and thought weird? And, and, and like, man, you got to, that's a demon trying to come and oppress you, trying to, trying to get in there, trying to find a foothold. Trying to find an entry. See, the way one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the way that that church was conquered was because they left a door unlocked. They didn't, they didn't lock the door. They found an entry and entered to that. The Bible says, do not give the devil a foothold. And when we leave things uh, uh, uncovered, issues in our life unprotected, and we, we don't have, we're not releasing things before God, where you have a foothold and then the devil comes and he brings oppression and you start feeling the oppression and you felt the weight and, and it's almost like the oppression is almost like a burden heavy on you. And, and you know it don't belong to you and you know this stuff is like, man, God, what's going on? And you have to learn to say, you know what? I need this off me. Here is Peter. Peter had it going on for a while through his voyage, through a lot of stuff getting hit and getting attacked because the enemy was trying to break him. The enemy was trying to crack him. And the enemy was trying to enter into him. The Bible says that the devil will come and, and he will check to see if the house is put in order. So we have to watch ourselves because the enemy, he wants to possess us and he wants to oppress us. He was kicked out of heaven and he wants to keep us from entering to heaven. Amen. So the Bible says, a messenger of Satan attacked and oppressed Paul. Look at 36. Should a Christian fear demons? Luke 10 then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great shout. Should, should a Christian fear the, de the demon? No. No, but if you ain't right with God, you better get right. I mean, we would have services and demons would come in. We'd be casting out demons. I'll be telling church, I'm about to pray for this devil. You better get right. If you ain't right with God, you better ask Jesus to come into your heart. Because if you don't, the devil's going to come out and go right in you. And you're going to get seven times worse. You came in walking like a man, you're going to end up walking like a woman. Because you don't pick what you get. Well, I'll take this one and this one. And no, you ain't, going, you ain't at a buffet, baby. So you need to be clean. You need to stay right. So should, it be, should we be favored dead? No, we shouldn't. First John 4, 4. Read it. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Mm. We have no business being afraid of the devil. Come on, somebody. Amen. Greater he that's in you than he that is in this world. This lying devil. You're greater than that lying devil, man. Amen. 37. How can a person recognize the presence of an active activity of demons? 
with the, with the gift of discernment of the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. You should be, have the spirit of discernment. I don't know, but there's some people who, who I don't know. that. I mean, they've been around in church for a while. Some people that I know, other people that I know. I'm like, don't you discern that the one you're talking to is the devil? And they don't listen, and then later on they find out. I'm like, I told you. Some people just, oh, you want to help everybody. You're going to help a devil out, and they're going to enter your house. and going to destroy everything you got. You let him in your house, you let him everywhere else, and that's a devil in sheep clothing. So you need to watch who you hang around, and you better have some type of discernment. I love people, but I'm not in love with people. I'm in love with my wife. Amen. I just settle for a minute. I had to pick and choose what I wanted to cover deep, and this is what I really want to get into. Read that footnote, sweetheart. The gift of discerning of spirits is a God-given ability to recognize the presence or activities of demons. It helps you discern or distinguish whether some activity or presence is from God's spirit or some demonic spirit. I remember one lady came in and lavished her, walked into the church and started writing spells in the front row and started throwing. I'm like, ushers, come on, ushers. You got to be better than that. I had a stop service. Everybody lift up your hands and worship God. And, she, and I said, because you just grab this girl and pull her out. They grabbed her and they pulled her out. And it was like manifesting. I got to a conference and one of my ushers didn't pay attention. He let the devil ride in my car. I walked into the conference and I said, man, that girl's a witch. I could watch that. That lady's a witch right there. She said the devil sent her, and she's throwing stuff at me, and she's doing stuff. Watch her. And there she is. And all of a sudden, my pastor's wife, she goes, oh, my God, that lady's a witch. I said, I know. I know. We got her watching her. I thought we were watching her. Until she comes and gives one of my ushers, one of my ushers a blanket, and she says, this is for the pastor. A pink blanket, guys, with stuff on it. And says, can you give this to the pastor? I didn't know. They threw it in the back of my car. Thank God for great ushers. <laughs> I opened up my, my, I opened up the car. I didn't know. I didn't even know what was in there. I opened up the thing and I said, and I, whew, I felt it. I said, who put this in my car? I can feel that devil, man. I, I don't, I'm, don't even touch it with your hands. Whoever did better wash their hands. I'm not putting nobody on Front Street. What's up, Jose? And then you grab, <laughs> grab that thing and throw, and every, I had to throw everything that was in my car out. Grab everything, throw that stuff. Everything that was back there, my kids complained because I go, you want that? You could <laughs> see what happens to you. <laughs> grab all the stuff, threw everything out, had to go there, vacuum and sanitize everything. I wasn't afraid of it, but I know the devil's tactics. I know satanic stuff. That's why I don't take anything just from anybody. People try to send me stuff. I'm like, nah, I have a, I have a trash can called Spot. If somebody send me stuff, it hit the spot right there. Thank you. It met the spot. So if I told you lately, no, we haven't. Oh, okay, praise the Lord. Not in this church. 
But it's the reality of it. I've seen it. I've seen things. I've seen things. I've seen pastors take stuff, bring stuff before a country. I've been around the world, travel around the world, and I don't just get anything and bring it home to my house. Because it's real. The devil is real and God is real. God is greater than the devil. We just read that. We know that. But I'm not going to give the devil a foothold into my house. Some people still have the Virgin Mary and all these rosaries. That is junk. Those are idols. That's religion, not relationship. Those are demonic things. Oh, no, la vida de Madalupe. Yes, sir. El, el Santo Muerte, el Negrito, all those. San Graviel, también. Or Juan Graviel, either one. Gonna make you laugh or it can settle in a little bit. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Number 38. Can a Christian cast out a demon? Yes, Matthew 10, 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And as you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Ooh, come on, somebody. Amen. That's the power that we have is to cast out demons, rebuke demons. Look at 39. Can, de can demons be cast out with fasting while others can't? That's what I talked about earlier. Matthew 17, 14 to 21. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Yeah. So, Jesus said to, <laughs> so Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So, here's three parts. Can demon be cast out? Yes. Number two, you must have enough faith through fasting, through fasting and what do you call it? Fasting and, fasting and prayer. Sorry about that. I'm out of scripture. And then the third part is, is you have to have faith as small as a mustard seed. But listen to what Jesus does first. Who does he rebuke first? His disciples. He rebukes a man. He goes, man, I already taught you all this. We already ran over this lesson. <laughs> and then he goes and then he begins to say what he's saying. And he goes from there. So, so yes. Can some demons be cast out with fasting while others can't? Yes, they can. Some are more rooted than others, and sometimes you have to be more sensitive to God and less of your flesh and more of the Holy Spirit, more Spirit of God. Look at number four, number 40. This is a basic, how do you cast out a demon? You don't sit there and have a cup of coffee with him and sit there all night, oh, they're shaking and grabbing and slapping and holding it down. 
You're doing exorcism. And throwing holy water. And some guy talked to some guy. He's like, Pastor, I threw holy water. Holy water, wrong church. <laughs> hey, for reals. Everybody, like, everybody was so caught up in religion. We thought that's what it was. Holy water. Okay, we get the, um, there you go. There you go. Speak to the demon in this manner. Make sure you first you're saved and you got Jesus in your heart. If not, you end up walking weird. Demon, I know you're there. Tell you that you have no right to stay in this person. This person belongs to Jesus Christ. I command you by the blood of Jesus that you come out and go in the name of Jesus. You have to be willing with authority and know who you are. No greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you say, devil, come out of him. Come out of her. Rebuke that devil. Don't entertain him. Don't enter, I've seen devils, man. Some, 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 uh, some, are, some, some are distracting ones, and there's some weird stuff out there. Number 41. What is the destiny of the devil and his demons? Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. The lake of fire, eternity, burning the lake of fire, man. Number 42. What is God's warning to people who practice witchcraft? For all you little innocent witchcraft people who, read, who say, well, I'm a Leo and I'm a scorpion. and No, you're a devil. Oh, let's, let's read the thing of the day and... Uh, Oh, I just read the stars and the moons and the cloud. Yeah. I believe in Mother Earth. All that weird, magic, majestic stuff. Oh, but Pastor, I'm a, I'm a good devil. I, I only go to the white, the white witch. Not, not the bad one. But it's, it's real stuff. This is real stuff. This is real things. Some of you, it was, it was your religion. You grew up like that. It wasn't your, some of your aunt was, your mom was one. And still is. And you wonder why you battle so much. You're at her house all the time eating her food. You, see, you guys don't understand the power. They, they, you don't know what they do to that food. You don't even, you don't even know the stuff that happens. But see, we're so dumb, and I say that not in a bad way, I say that in a negative way. Ignorant, if I can use that word, to a lot of spiritual things. And so we enter, they're like nothing. Yes, you're covered by the blood of Jesus, but you have to watch what you enter into. Protect yourself, amen? Just because I believe in Jesus and I know God's my savior, I'm not gonna walk in the middle of a freeway. Oh, but the Lord is my protector, praise the Lord. I'm going to walk off your clothes eye because God's, God's going to protect me. Common sense before faith. I'll make a shirt call that. That's good, man. That's a good teaching, huh? All right, amen. Two people, praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. Here we go. This is important stuff to know, guys. Really important stuff to know. What, 
what is going what is God warning to people who practice witchcraft Leviticus 19 you shall not eat anything with the blood nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits do not seek after them to be defiled by them I am the Lord your God yeah, he's just lays it out right there I mean it's just lazy if you need more information on what that is look those scriptures up understand them more there's a lot there read verse 31 was that together? Yeah. Okay, those together. Deuteronomy 10. Deuteronomy 18, excuse me. 10 and through 12. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spouse, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. Now, let's make it a little more modern for you guys. The Ouija board. Everyone wants to play with the Ouija board. That's demonic. They want you to go on a certain angle, people, and the one that make you try to make somebody float, that's demonic. They do all that chair stuff, all that weird stuff, it gets into demonic stuff. Chanting, certain stuff, all these weird things that are out there that we make a light of it, but they're entering into our children because they think it's okay. And then they try to throw little things at them. Oh, look, let's read this. Let's see, uh, uh, let's see uh, uh, who you are and, and try to, you're this animal. You're a rat. You're a chicken. You're a rooster. You know, all these weird things we start getting into. And we start finding out this stuff and you get caught up in it. It, it seduces you. It seduces you. Ah, yeah, yeah, Dios mío, santos. There is a lot of junk out there, guys, that is even gets even to worse and worse and makes it look innocent. Innocent. Giving cartoons are having it. Cartoons have it really bad. Getting them to get used to it. Number 40, 43. Will people, will people who practice witchcraft enter into heaven? No. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Sorcery, there it is right there, boom. Look at where he lines it up with everything else. So we think it's so innocent. It's not innocent. Go ahead. Hatred, contentiousness, jealousy, jealousy outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, decisions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Wow. Straight out, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm. Everybody okay? How many understood that? It's just simple, plain and simple. Amen. It's, it's, we got this. Amen. Nothing to fear, nothing to doubt, but you got to have some discernment. Well, some common sense, guys. No greater he that's inside you. And don't allow the devil to try to enter into your home and destroy the work of God in your life and in the life of your family. Amen? Part 44. Here we go. Moving up to 44. What a believer or what a believer should wear to war. To war. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, have girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having stood your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Mm. I couldn't talk about demons and spiritual warfare and not tell you what to wear. Amen. So we're going to go through this really quick on what to wear. What to wear to war. We're in a spiritual warfare. It's a spiritual battle. We have armor that we wear, and there's a spiritual armor that we wear. And I want to go briefly through this really quick. Number one is, A, is the girdle of truth. A girdle of truth, which is Ephesians 6, 14 says, having girded your waist with truth. Look at the note there. The devil is a liar, and we must oppose him with God's truth for mobility and direction. So when we apply the truth and we apply the truth to what is right, it'll direct us and give us mobility, how to move and direction to go when we gird ourselves. God's truth must hold everything together in our lives. We must be put together with the truth of God. The girdle of truth should hold. When a girl puts on a girdle, it's holding everything together. Now they got girdles for men, holding everything together. Together. You got girdles from the top to the bottom to the feet to the leg, everything. It holds everything together. That's what the truth does, holds everything together. Look at 3 John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. God is like, man, there's no greater thing to hear that my child, that my son, that my daughter is walking in the truth of God. Amen. The footnote says... A girdle is a belt used to hold the soldier's clothing next to his body to keep his uniform from, from flapping around and restricting him in battle. They would grab it, and they would grab the girdle. It was almost like a, like a skirt, and they would grab it, and they would grab it, and they would tie it up. And it would allow them to move and to stop them from slipping or falling when they were girdle and tie it up. So when you're tied up in the truth, it'll keep you from slipping and falling. When you're in the truth, it'll keep you from tripping. Amen? Get a footnote right there. Keep you from tripping. B, the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians 6, 14 says, putting on the breastplate of righteousness. This piece covers the front of the soldier's body from the neck to the upper part of his thighs. What does it do? It protects the vital organs. The breastplate, the, the, the breastplate protects the heart. Our heart is very important to the Lord. Listen to this. Our heart is the home of our passions and our desires. When we set our heart on the things of God rather than the things of the world, we put on the breastplate of righteousness. It covers your vital organs. The word righteous being doing right before God and before man. And when you have that on, it's protecting your vital organs. So the, the armor of God, when you do righteousness before God, is protecting the vital things in your life. 
When you're not living righteous, then, then you're having a bad liver, you got a bad heart, you got a bad kidney, and you know what that happens, the body starts shutting down. And when you stop living righteous, you start shutting down. You start shutting down and you start getting cold and your heart gets hard and you start to be unsensitive. All this stuff comes in because you don't have the breastplate of righteousness on. Amen? See, the shoes of peace. Ephesians 6.15 part says this, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Roman soldiers would wear home hobnail shoes. They look like golfer shoes, uh, like the worst ones they look like. <laughs> um, the old ones, they're like shoes with bunches of spikes in the bottom for stability and mobility. They would get them and they would hold the line and they would to grab, they're like clicks, to grab the ground, to have traction. And so here's the shoes of the Roman soldiers. And so the way you stand will determine the way you fight. Are you standing in peace? How are you standing? How, how, what are you wearing? What kind of shoes do you have on? You, you have peace shoes. Listen to this. Ephesians 6, 5 says, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The word preparation means equipped for readiness. Here's this note. How do I put on the shoes of peace? By standing firm on the teaching of Jesus Christ. To keep me stable and mobile in the fact or in the face of my enemies because I know who I am in Christ. Come on, somebody. I'm standing in the truth, amen, which is my bow. I'm standing in the righteousness and I'm standing in the peace of God and I'm finally firm on the ground and I'm ready for war and I'm ready for battle because listen to me, I'm telling you right now, the peace of God consumes us. The peace of God takes away all the junk off us and we have to be willing to stand in the peace of God. Man, I've been through some stuff and I said, God, I know it's your peace. I, I'm, I know I'm standing in your peace because you're directing me right now. Look at the, D says this, the shield of faith. Take the shield of faith, it says in Ephesians 6, 16. The Roman soldier's shield was two feet by four feet. Two feet wide, four feet tall. Made of wood covered with a leather, leather and metal. It would, it would get in, they would stretch it, and they would dip it in oil and in water, and they would drench it. Listen to this. It served as a mobile wall that the soldiers used to protect themselves from the burning arrow shot by the enemy. Listen to what I'm saying. There was a procedure that was done to that shield and they would, they would dip it in water and then they would rub it down with oil and, and, and it was a process and it consists of being a wall. And when they were linked together, it would become a, a huge wall and they, they have certain commands that would link them together but that themselves would hide and shield themselves Behind, be behind a four by two wall. Sometimes it would be it would be it would be huge, depending on how many would link up together. Look at this. And Satan is always firing flaming arrows, darts to make us question our salvation, question our beliefs, and question our worthiness. And if we don't have that shield, we'll start believing that maybe we're, maybe we're not saved. Or maybe, you know what, it's not true what the Bible says. And then we start questioning, you know what, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. Because the enemy likes to throw darts, come on somebody, and arrows. And he tries to attack us and hit us over and over. And no, he don't stop. But that's why we have to have this shield of faith. 
Know that you know who you are in Christ. Know who you are. You're a son of God. You, amen. You're a king of kings. Come on. You're a king of the king. You're a royal priesthood. Amen. Listen to this. The gospel's message is one of peace. But it declares war against the enemy. The gospel is, 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 is a message of peace. But it declares war against the enemy. I remember, I remember the old song that says, I went to the enemy's camp and I took, took back what he stole from me. I took, took back what he stole from me. Come on, somebody. You got to be willing to say, you know, I'm going to fight for my family and for my loved ones. I'm going to take back what he stole. He stole too much of my time, too much of my youth, too much of my marriage, too much of my child. I'm taking it back. Know that, know this, that you are a warrior. You're a soldier. You're an army. You're in, the, in the, you're in the army of the Lord. Amen. The next one says this word, little, little footnote says, flaming darts can make you impatient, but the shield was meant to be a wall of protection. How many know sometimes the enemy will try to throw arrows at you and try to make you impatient and be like, oh, it's taking too long. It's taking too long. Rome wasn't built in a day. You heard that expression. A lot of great things take time. A lot of time, a lot of great things were built in the hardest times of life. The Empire State Building was, 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 was made in depression. The Golden Bridge was made in a depression. God is building great things in the midst of this coronavirus. Come on, somebody. God is building great men and great women. God is building pastors, leaders. God is building couples for great things. Singles, teenagers, for great things. When you see your faith as a shield, it will put out the flaming arrows of the enemy. Your faith has so much power, guys. Your faith has so much. You, you're not weak. And you're, you're, you're not, you don't, you, how's that word? You're, 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 what's that word I want to use? I want to use a certain, I'm trying to sound smart, but it ain't going to work. <laughs> you're not as devy as you think. I said it in English. You're not as devy as you think. You're not unguarded or unprotected as much as you think. You, you have the good. You have the power. You have the strength. You have the ability. You have the anointing. You have the faith to make a difference. Amen? Greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. So you, you're greater than, than Satan who deceived the whole nation, the whole, the whole, the whole uh, one third of the angels. You're greater than the angels that got deceived. You're greater than that. You're greater than all the attacks. You're greater than all that, guys. Look, use your faith to fight against every lie and every attack. Use the faith. And we talked about what faith is. Use your faith. Number E, E, the helmet of self. I wish I would have brought all my props out. I got every part of this except the shield. No, except the, the breastplate. I need a breastplate. I need to give me one of those. The helmet of salvation, Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation. When you have the hope of salvation, seeing cannot use discouragement. The helmet of salvation, know that you're saved. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know that you're saved. When will you know that you're saved? You know when you receive Jesus Christ and you can know now. Before you get to heaven, you can know now. Come on, somebody. We talked about all that. And so the helmet of salvation, you've you got to understand, you put it on, it'll, it'll come against all the discouragements. Satan often uses discouragement and hopelessness as a weapon to oppose us. 
He always try to make you discouraged and make you feel hopeless. This is not going to work out. This is never going to happen. And those are his tactics in our minds. Our minds, against our minds and the thoughts in our minds. When you are discouraged, we are most vulnerable in making foolish decisions. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get a thank you, Jesus? Amen. You're on it. Praise the Lord. Because when you are, when you are discouraged, we're vulnerable. You notice that when, when did Satan hit Jesus when he was in the wilderness? The 40 days. After, he didn't hit him the first day. Now nah, he was strong. He was good. Jesus was like, I got this. He walked into that place, into the wilderness, led by the Spirit of God. Satan didn't come the first day. Huh, how you feel now? He was strong. He didn't hit him a weekend. He, he hit, the Bible says, when, when Jesus became hungry and he was weak. How many know when we get weak and we're tired and we become vulnerable, he creeps at you and he's knocking at your door. He's knocking at your mind. He's saying, hey. And he starts whispering and saying things. And this will make wrong decisions. And we listen to the enemy and, we're, we, and we miss it. We miss it. So you have to protect your thinking, your pattern. Helmet of salvation, put it on. Listen to this. You have to know that you are saved and sanctified by God to fight. Come on, somebody. You got to know that you are saved and sanctified to fight. Keep the helmet of salvation on and go forward. Don't let that devil mess with your mind, pollute your mind. Well, you messed up. Well, welcome to the club. You made a mistake. Welcome to the club. Amen. F. The sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6, 17 says the word, the sword of the spirit. Here's a footnote. A material sword may get dull when it's used. But the word of God remains sharp. Come on, somebody. The word of God remains sharp. The word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, the Bible says. It says right here in, in Ephesians, excuse me, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus used the sword against the devil in the wilderness. We talked about that in Luke 4, 4. Read it, sweetheart. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. He used the sword, which is the word of God. And the word of God came, and he rebuked the devil with the sword. He, he cut at the devil with the sword. So this is the thing. You're going to have to use the sword when you're in the desert to fight the enemy. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to use the sword when you are in the desert. You're going to enter, we're going to enter into some deserts, guys, and into the rough times of our lives. You're going to have to use that sword. You're going to have to use that word, and you're going to have to encourage yourself, and you're going to have to stir yourself up, and you're going to have to wake up things inside you. Man, I, I see people, and I see them, I go, dude, you're in the desert, and come on, come on. Wake up. Wake up. Come on, speak to yourself. Talk to yourself. 
Talk your way out of it. Pray your way out of it. Hope your way out of it. Believe your way out of it. I love this part. When you use the sword against Satan, you give him a blow that cripples him and keeps him from hindering God's work in your life. The devil came and he came and confronted the son of God. You think we're not going to go through anything? You think we're not going to run into him? You think he's not going to try to lie to us? He's going to tell us things. He's going to come to us and throw stuff at us and try to, try to convince us and try to, try to pollute us and try to give us a reason why to stay in our wilderness, hurt, depressed, oppressed, demon-possessed, mad, frustrated, all jacked up, twisted, disgusted, can't be trusted, miserable, pitiful. I can go on. That's his job. That's his job to keep you like that. Because he said, oh, I still got her. I still got him. I love these couple. Come here. Because whoever's in your ear will help you in your fight. Whoever's in your ear will help you in your fight. The devil will try to get in your ear to ruin your battle, to ruin your fight. But if you have the spirit of God in your ear, you'll get through this. Come on, somebody. Amen. One more and we're done. We need to be well-versed in the word of God so we can defend ourselves against the devil in this spiritual warfare. When you put on the full armor, you are ready to do spiritual warfare against all the lies and attacks of the devil. It's not our own power that gets us ready for the battle against the devil. It's his. Come on, somebody. It is his. It is his. It is his. The second, the last scripture says, 2 Peter 3, 18, remember, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do, church? Are we going to grow with the more information that we got? The more that God spoke to us, we can beat this enemy. We can beat these lies. We can beat all this junk that comes. We don't have to live, amen, miserable. We don't have to live twisted. We don't have to live like really making it day by day. You don't have to. Greater he that's in you than he that's in the world. Come on, stand with me this morning. Stand with me tonight, church. Hallelujah. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Bible. And it's going to be awesome. They're going to lay out some stuff on the Bible. And, and it's almost going to be lined up with a little bit I'm going to be preaching next Sunday morning. So it'll, it'll line up perfectly what I'm going to be doing. But that devil's a liar. He is a liar. He's a liar, and he tries to manipulate the work of God. And so we have to allow ourselves to grow in the grace, grow in the grace of God, grow in the things of God, grow in understanding the power of God, grow in understanding his ability and your ability, and know that you have weapons of warfare. Know how powerful you are in Christ, and know that you're going to go through things in the battle to learn God to the great healer to heal and to refresh you to get you ready for what's next for what's coming amen so with every head bowed every eye closed I know you've been through some warfare some of you have been through some battles some of you have been through some
attacks. Some of you came out of a fight, now you're in another fight. And some of you are already coming out of one and it seems like it's never finishing. I'm telling you, God is on your side. Grow, grow, learn. Grab a hold of Him. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Hold on tight. Stand firmly. Stand firm. Stand firm. Maybe you need a fast to release some things. Maybe you need to get, a, get into prayer more to release some things. Maybe you haven't uh, allowed yourself to overcome temptation and the temptation has been grabbed a hold of you. You need to overcome temptation. No greater he is in you that God will make a way of escape. Know these things. Know your faith. Know that you need to trust God and believe in God and know that faith moves mountains and will move things out of your way. so much for growth to help us to excel to help us to know more of him to get us through this fight through these battles we know that the devil's real but greater he that's in you greater you have more power you, there's more in you there's more in you than, the, than this devil the liar Say this prayer. We say, Jesus, wash. 
precious blood. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and make me new. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sins. Devil, you're a liar. I rebuke you from my life. In the name of Jesus, you have no authority, devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. The Bible says when one gives a life to the Lord, that heaven rejoices. When one comes back to God, the Bible says that, that he's buried to the backslider. And I'm telling you right now, a robe when the fattest calf has been, has been crushed. God has given you a robe and said, my son, my daughter, here's the ring. I love you. I'm married to you. And we celebrate and we rejoice because people have got right with God, got their heart right with God. People got saved and there is a heaven rejoicing. Come on, somebody.